welcome, 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 ladies and gentlemen, to another edition, to, an, to another show, to another report of the Alamonte Show Report. I am your host, Donnell Alamonte Morris, but before I get into my piece, once again, shout out to everybody that continues to download my show. Thank you so very, very much. That means that you are listening. That means that you are enjoying the show. But one thing that is missing, subscribe, subscribe, subscribe. Share this content. I'm not doubting that you are sharing it. But the most important thing is that you subscribe to the report so you can be up on when I upload the um, my next episodes or when I'm writing stuff. And then also my exclusive content is coming soon. Like I said, I want to thank y'all. Last time I checked, 178. Thank y'all so very, very much. 200 is coming soon. Thank y'all, but subscribe. So now let's get into this uh, hit piece. I think this one, um, this one been really heavy on my spirit for a very, very long time. And I know nobody was going to say nothing. So I was like, let me be that one to say something about this. So here we go. For as long as I've been comprehending politics, definitely when it comes to my people, black people, we, we know that we deserve better. And nowadays it's about reparations. Now, if y'all have been listening to uh, Hashtag Feed the Black, which I encourage y'all every Monday, look us up on Facebook. I have always said that the reason why we're never going to get reparations is because we don't have us, people that think like us, in position of power. Because we just think because we're tax-paying Americans, and some of us don't even recognize ourselves as Americans, or do I do our civil duties of voting and being a part of politics that we don't get what we want because of it. And being a taxpayer, don't get it done. So how I'm going to hit this, I'm going to go with the people that are in power or we see or portray as people in power, as I'm using quotation marks with my fingers. So... Here we go. I'm proud to say that I'm a lefty. I'm a progressive. I'm a Democrat. I have no shame. But I'm not one of those clueless Democrats that believe that they do no wrong. I criticize them on a daily basis. I even criticize them on my uh, my last piece. And the funny thing is, I got a lot of downloads from that, which is crazy. Uh, <laughs> so... With that being said, just like with anything else, I question it. If I know that something is wrong with it, I'm not going to sit by and stand by and just think that everything's okay because Democrats are in power. When it's something wrong, I'm going to say something about it. As much as I can't stand the Republicans and the reason why this country has shifted so far right is because of the Republicans, I also put the blame on Democrats for allowing it to happen because it wants to work with them so damn much. But then I have to understand that the Democrats have become moderate. 
which lead to the Black Caucus. The Black Caucus have not done much for us at all. I mean, if you look over the years, they just became a, just a second fiddle to the Democrat Party. Sometimes I feel like they're like the think tank of black people, but not for our interests. That they only look out for themselves and what we get are the crumbs, the trinkets, and the symbolic victories, as as the black media would say, the new black media as they want to call themselves. And with that, I agree. And that they surround themselves around these corporate Democrats, that they basically become the black version of them. Like, don't look no further than Representative Clyburn. Now, I know Marcus, um, whatever is Marcel, Marcel Dixon, whatever his name is, I, I know that he was making some little bit of noise, definitely on the independent media scene, which is great, but I knew he was going to lose. Because I, the reason why I knew he was going to lose was because he only ran on reparations, on a reparations type of platform, which is not going to win you the votes. And he needed to understand that you're not only you're not going to win a Senate seat on black votes alone. Period. And he can say that Clyburn had the media, you know, in his back pocket all he wants to. If AOC in New York, who went door to door and won, as well as Cori Bush, who lost in her first time running and ended up winning in her second, he should learn from that. Stop blaming. He knew for a fact that the cards were stacked against him. He should have knew that before he went in this election. Well, in this little runoff, in the Democratic runoff, whatever you want to call it, in this election for the seat for South Carolina, he should have knew that from Jump Street. And you can't hate the player, and also you can't hate the game. Clyburn been in Congress for a hot minute. He should have knew that it was not even a David and Goliath match. He was just a little tap hole in the big ocean. So hopefully, Marcel Dixon learned from this and that he knows that he had to expand his platform. It just cannot be about reparations. You also got to look for the other people that does not look, look like you too as well for you to get votes, for you to get the donation, for you to get the money that you need to not only just have a shot at winning, but also to put your message out there. So, so going back to Clyburn, Clyburn had never done much for black folks, period. He is also um, one of Nancy Pelosi's lackeys, as well as people don't understand that he's also the majority whip. 
Now, let me explain what a majority weapon is. If any of y'all watch House of Cards, I encourage you to watch the House of Cards. I think the House of Cards explains how politics work. Um, what's his name? Um, uh, the main character. I, I, I can't get his name out there, out of my mind. Um, but his character plays the majority whip. Now, basically what majority whip is, he will get the party in line. Meaning, if, let's say the president, because Democrats technically got control of the House, well, Congress. So if the president was pushing out legislation, he wants Congress to push out legislation dealing with codifying Roe v. Wade, the leadership for the Democrat Party will get that information, will report it down to Clyburn, who is the majority whip, and tell him, we need these amount of votes, and we need our people to be in line. And his job is to get with every single Democrat and make sure that they are voting on the same thing, that they're on the same sheet of music, that they're on the same page. So basically, he's kind of like the enforcer of the Democrat Party, which, if you believe it or not, has a whole lot of power. Because if you're not falling in line, he's probably going to make sure that he's going to make your life miserable. Now, don't get me wrong. If you're not voting in line with the party, he will make sure that he will leave you out to slaughter. But the sad thing is, he does not do that for anything dealing with black politics. Period. It's either what Nancy Pelosi wants or nobody else at all. And you would think a brother that is probably the third most powerful politician in all of Congress will use that power to help out his people or to get his people in this position of power or a successor that looks like him in his seat because he's not going to be there forever. You will think that's how it's supposed to go. No, no, no. And it's not only just Clyburn. You got Hiking Jeffries, who's probably going to take the position of Nancy Pelosi. Well, you realize the trend that I'm saying, right? It's all surrounding Nancy Pelosi. And Nancy Pelosi has been grooming Hakeem Jeffries for a hot minute. And hopefully, when she gives up the gavel and gives up being the Speaker of the House, that Jeffries is not her which I'm kind of nervous about, but we will see how it goes. But then you want to talk about Vice President Kamala Harris. Let's, even though I'm kind of jumping the, uh, the chain command, but let's go to her because a lot of people disagree with, you know, with what she's doing as a vice president. Now, a lot of people will go back to her record as California Attorney General. 
and that she'd done a lot for police enforcement and that a lot of things have slipped under her radar, which is sad. I remember on hashtag Fate to Black, in case anybody want to look up what I was saying, I was, I won't say I was defending her, but with, with people who were definitely people of color, that was being prosecuted for these crazy, like, charges that gave them, like, 23 years or maybe life sentences that she didn't do a thing. But as the attorney general, you also got attorney generals in these districts and they was only giving the information to her. And with any information, there are things that's taken out and things that need to be added so they can brief her. But, and I got a lot of kickback from that, from the rest of my panel. Um, Cause I'm all about internal. I'm not all about just putting a face to it just because they're the leader. Because, yes, at the end of the day, there's a fallen leader, yes. But also, you have to look within to see what problems, what issues happen. Who made this happen? Was it one person? Was it two person? Maybe three person? So, that was the stance that I took. But at the end of the day, Vice President Harris, I put her in the category with Clyburn as well. Um, even though I said, and I'm going to say it right here, if we had President Harris right now, or if she had the power like Dick Cheney, half the stuff that's going on right now would be happening. I believe that she probably would have done a, a way better job than the current president right now. I will say that for the record and y'all can take that for whatever you want. She would have done half of a better job than President Biden. I put my foot down on that. But I'm putting her in that category because as you saw she lost, uh, lost in the Democrat primary and she was forever the opportunist and became the very first, not only woman vice president, madam vice president, I mean, she became the first black and also the first Asian woman to become vice president. Once again, those symbolic victories that, that at the end of the day, does nothing for us. Now, you're probably going to be like, what about Al Sharpton? Now, Al Sharpton, one thing I can give Al Sharpton credit on, and y'all can get mad at me for what I'm about to say, but it's true. Al Sharpton do go down to troubled areas. He goes down, sit with the family because he got his Nation Action Network um, National Action Network, that's what I think it's called. And he does go down there and he does do the work. Now, that doesn't take away how he got to the position that he is in now. He was an FBI informant. 
he did do some dirty things. He even represented a, a girl who lied about her getting raped, um, getting brutalized by a bunch of Nazis, which came to to find out that she was lying about the whole entire thing. But Al Sharpton had put in the work. And with all the work, good work that he's been doing, covered up all of the things, the dirt that he has done to get to where he is. And you cannot say that he's not the only one that done that. But do I look at Al Sharpton very sketchy? Oh, yeah. Very sketchy. But one thing that I can say about Al Sharpton, when black people need his help, he's there. And things do happen. But at the same time, he does find an angle on how it supports him, how it supports his cause, how it supports his organization. So, yeah, is he a hustler at the end of the day? Yeah. Yes, he does go out to help, but he always finds an angle. He's going to find an angle that's going to support his cause, going to support his organization. So, yeah, so him, you have to be worried about and others like him. Now we got, you know, President Obama. Now, a lot of people are going to say, well, President Obama had not done much for black folks. And, and, I, and I agree with that to an extent. But one fact that people, definitely us, definitely those who don't understand politics or understand civics. When you have a Congress that was Republican-ran, that was Republican-controlled, and you have one of the representatives that literally, Mitch McConnell, who literally said, paraphrasing, that they're not going to pass anything from this president. That's an uphill climb. Where this man literally gets off a plane and he have a governor, a white female governor, pointing at him disrespectfully. Now imagine if the roles were reversed and it was Obama pointing at that woman. The whole entire white world, conservative world, and a couple of the coons would have been screaming, yelling like, no, how dare you put your hands in front of that white woman. Yeah, I said it, that white woman. How? How dare you? But a lot of everybody rejoicing, yeah, he deserve it. But not to take away, there were opportunities that President Obama should have did executive orders he should have done and he didn't because he was moderate at best very moderate and he just worried about excuse me he was just worried too much about pleasing the republicans which they're the enemy and what makes it worse, 
even when the Democrats had a supermajority. He was getting opposition from now and even then Speaker Nancy Pelosi. Your own party leader. And that right there, I just knew. There goes the wheels or that's one of the loose love nuts off this Democratic train. When you had your own party going against you and Obama just sat there and he obeyed. Were there times where he should have stepped up for black people and put out issues ahead of everybody else's? Yes. Did he have obstacles that he had to overcome to get those uh, laws passed? Yes. But at the same time, he had times where he could have just had the executive order or put his foot down on his own leadership and put their asses in the gear to getting his agendas pushed. So just like anything else, it was a symbolic victory where he won both terms. And I still go into black people's houses and they have Jesus Christ and a picture of Barack Obama when he first got inaugurated. It's nice, but you got to think, what landmark accomplishments has he done for black folks to make us feel safer, to make us feel better, that we're doing good econom- um, economically and socially? Only thing I can think about is my brother's keeper's bill. And that's it. He didn't codify um, Roe v. Wade or put any laws or legislation in to do that neither. So, yeah. We got nothing. Zero. Nada. Now, I'm not going to say it's not for lack of trying or even I'm giving a bit for the doubt, but still, nothing. Which lead me to, now when I say black leadership, one thing that the new black media gets wrong is every time we talk about black leadership, they always think about Democrat. And they forget about the black Republican. And the one thing which I'm gonna get, I'm gonna talk about them soon. But they get that messed up because they're like, we know what the Republicans do, but we're gonna sit there and criticize the Democrats. And I'm like, give that same energy to the Republicans because why are you sitting here worried about the Democrats? They over there plotting. They're getting the things that they want. They are already getting their people aligned to vote. They are already getting the people to get their issues and turn them into agendas. They already got their super PACs getting ready to put in legislation like they've been doing. They're already planning. And their plans are already coming to, to fruition right now. It's coming to tuition right now. It's coming true. Because we're worried about the Democrats and we're not looking at the Republicans. Oh, we know what they're doing. No, you don't. Because if you knew what they was doing, you would give the same energy that you criticize in the black Democrats 
you should be doing that with the black Republicans. So we look at the black Republicans, you got Tim Scott. This man literally on national television said that this country is not a racist country. Literally. And I think he's like the only black senator on the Republican Party. And for him to say that and then trying to help out with uh, this crime bill, this uh, something like the George Floyd bill, and he did absolutely nothing with it, watered it down, didn't even push it up to get a vote. You can tell he's only looking out for himself and that he only answered to his constituents like Rick McConnell. I don't even think he's in a position of power. He's just a regular senator that's just votes. I know he's a party committee, but he's just a voting member. But think about it. This man is the only black Republican senator in the Senate. Think about that. And this man got the nerve to literally say that this country is not a racist country. This is what happens when you hang out, hang around too many white folks and you get way too comfortable. And it's funny, I had a conversation with one of my coworkers who happened to be white. And he's even saying this country is racist. And that there are times where white people just need to shut the F up and listen. That it's not up to black people to change. It's up to them, his people, to change. And for him, for Tim Scott to say something like that, not only is he trying to get that data boy from all his white constituents, he also got other black Republicans that say his same sentiments. Who are praising the same thing that he is saying. Because they got it good. Because they're, they are in a position of power, quote unquote. And that white people ain't bad. Look at how they treat me. Look at what I'm doing. But forget about us in the long run. Now you're probably wondering what more is the only person you can name is Tim Scott. The reason why is because Tim Scott is a senator that pushes the law, that votes for the law so it can go vote on a law or a policy that goes up to the president or he can stop it by voting name. So that right there is a position of power. And if he keep bucking his eyes and saying all the things that make every white conservative, either with a racist bone in their body or don't realize that they got a racist bone in their body, but they do, as long as he keep them smiling, that's all that matters to him. And look at his district. 
It's not majority black. It's majority white. And you have to understand that. So just because, just like with the Democrat, black Democrats, just because they look like you, does that mean they for you? Like that old saying, oh, your skin folks not always your kin folks. Even though I kind of messed it up, but you get the chip. But see, this is why vetting your politicians are so important. This is why activists that are marching in the streets right now, protesting, needs to start running. This is why activists and organizations need to start doing a super PAC. Super PAC for grooming politicians and a super PAC to turn our issues into agendas. We have to understand, we have to understand that because marching in the streets, protesting on the streets, having YouTube videos and having podcasts ain't gonna help your cause if you're not actually in a position of power or getting people that think like you into power. And we must understand that I'm sorry, ladies and gentlemen, if y'all hear me, hear a little commotions because I'm stretching. I feel like my side is all stretched out, so I'm kind of stretching. But um, so enough bashing the people that are in power. Let's talk about the new black media and those that think that they have a voice and that they speak for the everyday black man and woman. So let me start off with the Umar Johnsons and the Tariq Nashis. Tariq Nashi, I'm not going to bash too much on Tariq Nashi because he means well. I think Tariq Nashi back in the day, I could criticize him on like, dude, you, you, you're talking too much. What are you actually doing? What are you doing to improve black people? What are you doing? I could have said that like many moons ago. But Tariq Nashi has actually got this group that he started. Um, it's called the Foundational Black American. Now, I understand what his group is talking about. And it's basically saying, he's, he's basically saying that we should look out for our own here in America rather than having black immigrants come in and just taking over and knowing that they all for themselves. I'm kind of paraphrasing, but that's basically the point because I, I believe that we should preserve our culture here in America and I think we just gravitate too much to Africa so damn much that we forget that our ancestors put in their work here too if it wasn't for our ancestors they wouldn't be in America and I think that's the point with what Tariq Nasheed is doing with the FBA and I started to open my eyes to it um, because we got a lot of history here too we just can't continue to go on this on this, uh, how can I put it, homage to Africa. 
because unfortunately we do have black immigrants that come here and they don't see our struggles they just see the american dream and you know pull yourself up by your bootstraps like the tim scotts of the world until they finally get pulled over and they get called the n-word because the police ain't gonna hear that well i'm african you know i'm african i'm not black no you're black in their eyes even worse they're gonna see you I'm going to say, they're going to see you as a nigga. Period. So I see what Tariq Nasheed is um, saying. But I just wish that Tariq Nasheed can use that organization. make Turn it into a super PAC. Groom politicians. Start locally. Then go to the state level. And then go to the federal. So this is not much of a bash on Tariq Nasheed because even though his museum, I knew his museum wasn't going to happen. <laughs> I, I, I just knew it wasn't going to happen. But at the end of the day, excuse me, at the end of the day, Tariq Nasheed has really have impressed me with the FBA. If, if you like it or not, because I know the FBA is is a contrast to um, Eidos. So I, I know all that, but I see exactly what he is doing. So if Tariq Nashi or one of his followers sent him this, I just want him to know, um, keep up the good work, one. And two, turn it into a super pack. Being on the outside looking in is not going to do much for us. Yes, is it going to make us, is it going to, are you going to say and do things that's going to give us a warm fuzzy? Yes, but you got to put that to action. Politically. Groom some politicians, rent some politicians. Get our issues and turn them into agendas when it matters. Get our people in position of power. Committees, mayors, um, freaking governors, senators, congressmen, where it matters. Chief of police, where it matters. And Tariq, if you're hearing me right now, or any of your followers are hearing me right now, that's what you need to do. Because you got the numbers, you got the people, you got the influence, you got the group. Now let's do something with it. Turn it into a political power. Because what you're doing right now is, is good, but not for the long haul. So now it was leading me to Umar Johnson. Man, this guy. I, I just knew. When I first saw a video of Umar Johnson, I did not get a warm and fuzzy from him at all. He reminds me of that one uncle that will tell you about yourself and what you need to do. And he will be right, but he don't practice what he preach. When he's sitting there telling you that you need to stop drinking, but at the same time while he's telling you this, he's drinking a 40. Or if he tells you you need to treat your woman right, but you over here cussing her out, cussing your, he cussing this woman out. 
And that's the vibe I get from Lamar Johnson. And I just don't get why his followers find excuses for him all the time because, oh, he's making sense. He's making sense. But for somebody like me that's political, and I talk about the Democrat Party, about the things that they're saying, right? Oh, you just looking out for trinkets and all that stuff. But I'm a mirror image of you when it comes to hearing things about hearing things from people that we admire. Don't you think? And guess what we're getting? Nothing in return. Think about that. You criticize people like me, who is political, that vote Democrat, or even Republican. And say that you praise all these white folks and praise all these black coons. That's not going to do nothing for you. But you do it with people like Umar Johnson. And they're not giving you nothing in return. And you got excuses. So you're no different than me. You may be in a different lane than I am. But guess what? We both going the same way. Nowhere. We on the road to nowhere. And you have to admit that. Because you're saying, stop listening to them. They give you a warm fuzz just to make you feel good. Are they doing the same with you too? Because I know on the internet, people have been bashing him about his school. And the crazy thing is when LeBron James... When his school first opened and his school, you know, got the funding from Akron, uh, Akron and all that stuff, that's when Umar Johnson did a commercial with him finally buying these schools and nothing else happened. And the crazy thing is, why in the world? During COVID, listen to me later, COVID, you had a lot of businesses that went down. Like over here in Seattle, like businesses that I seen before the pandemic are gone. But then you had a lot of businesses that actually grew or got started during COVID. And with the donation, I think he said here at the time he had like 700,000. You couldn't start a curriculum. During COVID, you couldn't get the teachers or you could have just did the curriculum yourself online. And then hearing that he was getting help from black contractors, um, black plumbers. I mean, black folks that are that have businesses that could have helped restore the school with electricity plumbing, um, could help with the floor seal, whatever, that reached out to him and said, we would do it for free. He either never answered them back or he just ignored them. But he still want donations. And y'all still are dumb enough to give this man donations. And then he go on these crazy YouTube rants because 
He don't like brothers or sisters dating outside their race. Dude, who made you God? Who said that you could come in my house and tell me who should I who I should sleep with, who I should be with? Who made you in charge of my life? For all the brothers and all the sisters that day outside their race, no matter if it's white, Hispanic, Jewish, whatever, do what makes you feel happy. That person brings life, happiness, joy, love into your life. That's all that matters. You should not let Anybody, no matter if they're the same race as you or a different race than you, tell you or steal your joy, as they would say. Should tell you who you should date, who you should marry. You should marry your own race. You ain't in my house. You're not my guardian. You marry and date who you feel makes you feel good when you give them that love they give you that love back and for somebody to keep preaching that only says to me that they dated outside their race and they didn't have a good time like with people in the manosphere the reason why they got a disdain for women is because they've been hurt they've been done wrong so what they gonna do? They gonna lash out like they are. So don't sit there and think that Umar Johnson just woke up one morning and just said, "F white women and f everybody outside my race." If you're you're not pro black, if you date outside your race, I guarantee you, Umar had tasted other varieties of flavors period so for him to come out of a a position of pro-blackness first of all I'm a man second of all stay at my house stay out my life stay out my personal space My mom lives in freaking in Virginia as well as my dad. They live in Virginia. Nobody else will need to tell me how to dictate my life and who I should date and who I should marry, who I should procreate with. And did he have an issue with the gays when I saw that video where that one sister came at him correctly? People say, well, he owned her. No, he, no, no. If you actually listen to what she said and actually listen to the details when she was, she was, I won't say arguing, but she was schooling Umar Johnson on, you would have been like, oh, she got him. She got him. But a lot of y'all missed the message and you already had a bias against her because she's LGBTQ. Period. 
And Umar Johnson didn't know what the hell he was talking about because what he was saying is all that white supremacist stuff that he talked about, he was spewing that to her. Homophobic. Phobia means you're scared. I'm not scared. But all the stuff that comes out your mouth is homophobia. So you are scared. And then, once again, jumping on the trope of, you know, the white man saying, well, I'm not racist. I got 10 black friends. He goes on the trope of, well, I talk to gay people and they got molested. That is not a reason why people are gay or lesbian. It's not because it started with rape. You do got people that are born this way, believe it or not. Because let me ask you this. If you're not born gay or lesbian, you're not born straight, neither. You can't have one side, say to do the one side, you can't do the other. It's not always sunny outside. It has to be night. Like, it's not always going to be nighttime. The sun has to rise. <laughs> Just as it has to rain. It has to storm. It has to stop. You can't do the one side that you can't do with the other. It got a compliment. It has to balance itself out. It has to. You can't always have a bad time. You're going to have to have the good times to balance out the bad times. The bad times is for you to appreciate all the good times you had and knowing that good times is on the way and the good times for you to enjoy it while it lasts. So yes, Umar Jarvis Johnson is homophobic. And you just can't use a few black brothers or sisters that you talk to that happen to be LGBTQ had these conversations with them and you get the same analysis that they got raped. That means you just took anecdotal evidence and not understanding gays has been here on this earth for as long as we know. It just didn't happen yesterday. Period. Because once again, going back to you're not born straight or gay. When you are born, definitely for boys, I'm using that for the boys. What's the one thing your dad tell you when you come of age? You got a girlfriend? Well, what my daddy would do, see a fine, sexy woman walk around and say, look at that, son. That's one fine, peaceful woman. No misogyny, I'm I'm just, I'm just saying, ladies and gentlemen. So, so ladies, don't feel offended. I'm just, I'm just saying. But that's what fathers do for their sons. As well as I'm, I'm, a, I'm guessing me, the mothers telling their daughters when they come of age, you have a boyfriend. Or when a fine little dude go by, like that's a fine piece of man right there. Because if you don't teach your kids that at an early age or at an age where they can comprehend their surroundings and comprehend the feelings that they have, they're going to find out on their own anyway. But what I'm saying is all of this 
being straight is taught. It is taught. And I know for a fact that gay parents don't put this into their kid's mind of like them being gay or lesbian. I guarantee you if a kid is growing up in a two-husband household, they're not sitting there telling their kids to like dudes or telling their daughter to like girls. They're probably telling them to love who you love and we will love them just the same. That's what Umar Johnson is missing. And Umar need to realize that there are black LGBTQ people in that community. That when he said this homophobic stuff and he won't be pan-African, you can't leave out the LGBTQ. You can't. And if you want to keep talking about history, he have to understand that we had black scholars that were gay. Do he realize that Angela Davis was a lesbian? So all of what he is saying is a contradictory of what he preaches. And for all of y'all who keep supporting Umar Johnson, you don't realize that he is putting that toxic in your thoughts, in your mind, as well as you becoming the problem. You may not like that coming from me, but that is the truth. That is the truth. And like I tell my soldiers, I tell anybody this. I know my supervisor will tell me this. Question everything. And y'all not asking Omar Johnson the right questions or question him on his beliefs. When time and time again, he proves to you, plain as daylight, that he does not practice what he preach. Y'all will still make excuses for him, which gives him a pass for all the Things that he's doing now while he's robbing you blind. And once again, you criticize these black leaders that's in a position of power, but you give people like Umar Johnson a pass when they are doing the same exact thing to you and have not made you safer than you was yesterday or the same time last year. Now. These are the questions you have to ask yourself. Number one, are they practicing what they preach? Or two, have my situation changed for what they're saying? Have they done anything to make me feel safer than I was yesterday? Or solved any of my issues or problems that I'm having now? Well, that I had yesterday or around this time last year. If the answer is no, it is time for you to kick Umar Johnson in the dust and criticize him for the freaking race hustler that he is. Give him the same energy that you give to the people that are in a position of power that does nothing for you because Umar Johnson and them are, are two birds of a feather. Talk a good game and leave you with nothing. Period. One can make the laws, but no laws are made for you. And the other one said that I'm going to do this for you and nothing gets done. Sound like the same difference to me. 
which lead me to minister Farrakhan in the nation of Islam. Now, I know a lot of people are going to be coming at me for this because he's no different. Because y'all give Minister Farrakhan a lot of excuses when this man only does the same thing like these brothers in a position of power does. Talk a good game and does nothing. And you get nothing in return. Remember, Minister Farrakhan was part of the group. He was part, he was in a position of power when they kicked out Malcolm X. This man literally on stage literally said that. What if we took care of Malcolm X? That's none of your damn business, really? And at the same time, y'all still follow in the same teachings as Malcolm X when he's with the nation. The same nation that kicked him out. Mayor Farrakhan only talks to the people, well, mainly his people, his congregation of Muslims. Have he went out when these tragedies were happening, like a Tamir Rice, like uh, Mike Brown, and then this brother who got shot up, was Jalen Brown, I probably got the name wrong, but got shot up. Did the nation go over there and visit his family? Fuck a call. If you talk a good game, I'm expecting you to be there. I'm expecting you to have boots on ground because I know there are Muslims in almost every area in the country. You don't see them marching up there to the police precinct and saying their demands of leaving our people alone. Oh, no. See, people don't get. Definitely in the movie, um, the Malcolm X movie that Denzel Washington played Malcolm X and that powerful scene where they had one of their own in jail and how they marched up there to get that brother out and that cop said that's too much power for one man realize this they didn't go get that man because he was black they would go get that man because he was a muslim and he was part of the nation which gonna lead me to this when it comes down to it, let's say this civil war that they've been saying for decades, which never happened, which never going to happen, but let's say if it does. You think Mr. Farrakhan and these people going to be looking out for you? Do you think that he's going to send his troops to come to your community and support you in your fight? If he haven't came to your community where y'all going through turmoil, police brutality, your, your congressmen and women are corrupt. Your mayor can care less about you. If he haven't came for that, you're telling me he's going to have your back when the Civil War hits? See, our problem is we put people like Minister Farrakhan on a pedestal. Once again, like y'all criticize us, you put these Democrats on a pedestal and they don't do nothing. But y'all do the same thing with Mr. Farrakhan, and he gives you nothing in return. Absolutely nothing. Nada. Like when you say, oh, they saying all these things to make you feel great. What's Mr. Farrakhan doing? 
A lot of y'all sitting there and post all of his speeches or certain parts of the speech that make sense to you, that make you feel great, that make you feel empowered, proud to be black. But then you go outside and you go into this thing called reality. And then society hits you in the face and reminds you that you're nothing more than a nigga. Where's Mr. Farrakhan now? When you get pulled over, is the Nation of Islam going to come out there to help you? Is Mr. Farrakhan going to say anything on your behalf? Is he going to pay for your bail? Is he going to pay for your lawyer fees? Is he going to start a protest or is he going to have himself and his people go to the freaking jail to bail you out? Or go to the people in position of power to tell them, if you ain't going to do this, we're going to burn it down. I remember when he said that speech a couple years ago. Well, many years ago. Where he said, we're going to burn it down. Did anything happen? But he's not doing that for you. We need to start looking at life. And I've been saying this for the longest time. We have to start looking at our lives as businessmen and women. We got to see what are we getting out of it rather than just small talk. Because what Mr. Faircar is doing is small talk and big talk. Even with the small talk, when I'm getting out of it. Now with the big talk. I'm definitely expecting something in return. Because even the big dog barks, but I want to see if that sucker can bite too. Because if you're just doing nothing but barking, you're shooting the breeze with me. And that's been Minister Farrakhan ever since he took the leadership role of the Nation of Islam. And unfortunately, he got people like Rizzo Islam who have been putting out the not even bad information. This man had been driving black folks into a freaking brick wall. And y'all still follow this man into that damn brick wall. And he convinced you that it's the government's fault when it's him that's doing it. Y'all know the religion, Scientology? Yeah, that so-called religion that's majority white. Yes, they got a couple black members. This man had created a deal, an agreement, a partnership with Scientology and the Nation of Islam. Did y'all know that? Do y'all research. Research over, over research, in the words of consciously. And also, look at the documentaries that this man is on. This man is on far-right conspiracy theory documentaries. Far-right documentaries. Where the people that are on there have conservative, extreme right views and he's on a documentary with 
every single one of them, but he's supposed to be pro-black. He's supposed to be for the black people, but he is literally on a documentary with these people that don't give a damn about you. Don't you see that troubling? That's basically sleeping with the enemy, but at the same time getting up that bed and talking about how bad that enemy is that you were caught sleeping with. Ladies and gentlemen, that's a problem. But y'all follow the Nation of Islam and people like Risa Islam blindly without asking the questions. His mom, listen to me, his mom is the biggest scammer ever. Look her up. The apple don't rot far from the tree. He learned that behavior from his mother. She was supposed, supposedly helping out the community. Come to find out, she was scamming the community, making, making bank. Look her up. And then the misinformation that he was putting out against COVID, he, he reminded me of one of those cats that will sit in the library, read, read a book about, let's say, the Holocaust, and now all of a sudden he's a subject matter expert. Now the people that are, who either lived the Holocaust or know the history about the Holocaust, inside and out, experts. And since he read that book, now he knows more than them. How he was sitting there saying that the vaccine, you know, that the doctors were going against each other. And now you got all these doctors coming out saying that the vaccine was wrong and, and that they go kill people. And I'm here to tell you, I got all three of my shots, including the booster. I still haven't grown a tail. Only side effects was, and they warned you, that you're going to feel like shit. Basically like a car hit you. And I felt like that for both of them. Both the shots. The booster. Yeah, booster was not too bad. But still, they warn you about that. But do anything in this life that we use, including cars, as a risk. Or aka side effect. When you go in the car, you're taking a risk. When you go on the airplane, you're taking a risk. When me being in the military has a risk. Your job right now has a risk. May not be life-threatening, but guess what? It's a risk. So for him to sit there and say, well, it's all these side effects and all that stuff too, you're, you're, you're not even a doctor. You don't even have a PhD or MD. Or a PhD, or whatever, you know. And majority of these doctors that he's talking about, they either have practices that don't even concern COVID at all, or the vaccine, or they're not even practicing at all. They just think because they're a doctor, they're supposed to know everything. RZA deserved all the banning from social media. That wasn't no conspiracy. He deserved it. He pulled himself in that situation. 
and then also for his little videos about food and all that stuff it's the same thing every year look at all his videos that he posted ever since he became social media famous he's only preaching the things that you that I hear almost every freaking year and nothing gets done. But this is the type of men that Minister Farrakhan is creating and grooming. You think he's doing good for the black community and oh yeah, the truth hurts. Oh yeah, the truth hurts. But then it hurts when you find out that the truth wasn't the truth at all. When you find out that you've been hoodwinked, bamboozled, led astray, even though I mix that up, but you get what I'm saying. But basically, you've been bamboozled. That, that is what hurts the worst, not the truth. When you find out that what you thought was true was false, that's when it really hurts. It's like lying to your wife. And all the time she believed you when you said that you wasn't cheating. And then she had to find out the hard way that you was cheating. And that's going to hurt them the worst. It's not going to hurt them at the end of the day. What will hurt them is when you start questioning them. And seeing them for the filth that they produce and that they are. I have not seen any legislative policy or law that the minister of Farrakhan or the nation of Islam has produced. None. Now, I was hearing on one show where one of the people was saying that well, the nation of Islam is on the ballot. Ballot what? I think it was in Chicago. For what? You on the damn ballot. For what? What you should be doing, all that game, that big talk that you're saying, you should be going to the families that are struggling. You should be going into the towns of Chicago, even though Chicago is the least violent, as people want to say that they're the most violent here. Now, I think they're ranked what, 25th in the nation of the most worst cities with the highest crime. 25th. Let that sink in. But still, when Chicago was the dangerous city, you didn't see them go up in the city to try to stop it. They just talk about it and don't do much. And the funny thing is, we have spiritual prayer that type of person where he will smile up in your face, shaking. He's probably a great guy. I ain't gonna keep that away from him. You know, that one guy that you meet, you shake hands, probably have a great conversation with them. You know? type of person that you can take to the house have a couple of brews with them no board but some chicken or whatever y'all can just sit back and shoot the breeze but what does that also sound like think about it what does that also sound like sounds like somebody that is racist that you can invite to your house because you wanted the good ones. Sounds familiar, don't it? Smile on your face, 
thumbs up and all that stuff. You probably might have calls about how the family doing, but then they do something completely opposite when they're not in your presence. That's when their real side show. That's your friend. That's the person that you deal with. That's how I see Mr. Farrakhan. He's no different than that white supremacist that will smile on your face. Could be your best friend. Because you're one of the good ones. But then, when they leave your home, it's back to normal for them. Back to their rhetoric. Back to what brings in the moolah, what brings the attention. So my solution is this. And even, I didn't post it on this one, but I'm also going to talk to the new black media. The new black media also is not doing nothing neither. The new black media is the one that report on stories about us, for us, that the media is not talking about. Not to piggyback off of what they're talking about. Yes, a couple of stories, yes, you should piggyback, but you should sort of do your own organic stories. We just can't sit there and complain about where they got it wrong. Then get it right. That's what hashtag Fear the Black is all about. But not to to our home, but to two. The new black me is not doing anything neither. If you are on YouTube that is owned by white folks, you're not media at all. You're just like everybody else. A black content creator. Period. If you do not have ownership over your content or copyrights or that somebody's not going to take your best down unless it's you, you're not no media. Yes, you produce media, but you're not no new black media. Because if somebody got control over your content, it's not your content. It's not yours at all. And if you're not making a difference or impacting a difference, then you're just a content creator. You're basically just doing content for entertainment. Informative, but just for entertainment. Because the media that I know goes boots on ground, one, and two, actually become the change that they want to be. If you put yourself out there like that, be it. If you're not in control of your content, you're not the new black media that you think you are. You're not a news source. You're just like everybody else who have a view on YouTube and on the internet. Because without ownership, you ain't nothing, Jack. Without your own stories, you ain't doing much, Jack. Period. You're not no black news. Period. And that starts with ownership. You just can't keep piggybacking off of the mainstream thinking that you're telling it like it is. No. You're piggybacking off of the mainstream. You criticize them, but you're using their stuff. Get your own. Knowing that, own your own. And if you don't own it, 
You're no different than nobody else on YouTube. And my solution to this for uh, all of you, I wasn't expecting this to be long. I, I know it was going to be long, but not too long. But I'm going to tell y'all this. Here's the solution. Question everything. Get political. Become the change that you know you're not going to get from black influencers like Umar and Major Farrakhan and also from the black leaders like Al Sharpton or Representative Clyburn. Become the change. If it takes you to get a YouTube channel and report stories, that's fine. But you should be working to the point where you're owning, excuse me, where you are owning your content and you don't have to worry about somebody taking you down because you said something wrong or music that is copywritten or somebody on YouTube that feels offended or you stealing their content. So yeah, start a YouTube channel, but make sure you own that shit. Get off it and create your own. YouTube should just be a start. But don't, and then also, don't follow these so-called leaders because they're black. Vet them. See their history. See their voting record. See what they stand for. See if they're all about what they talk about. Don't sit there and support them because they're black. Because number one, that's how they get you. That's how they get you. Look, man, I'm black. You know, we got to look out for each other. And you realize that they're not looking out for you at all. They just took advantage of you. So don't get taken advantage of. And I'm not sitting there swaying you to a Democrat party or any type of party. You could be Republican, you could be Democrat, or you just believe that politics don't work. But I'm mainly talking about y'all who don't think politics work. It does. It affects you every day to the things that you eat to the things that you drink to the things that you wear to the things that you talk about because if you don't believe that politics work you are living in a dream world and if also if you don't believe it why in the world should listen to you when you have a complaint you are an american a black american let me be correct you are a black american that can sway the freaking political landscape. You can do it. Don't fall back on it. Don't fall back on it saying that I'm a taxpayer. When you don't do yourself a duty and get political and vote. And I'm not talking about the presidential. I'm talking about local. You got to do your civil duty first before you get to be taken seriously. Being just a taxpayer, don't cut it. You have to do the groundwork. You have to know what the politics is going on in not only in your local government, but also your state. And also how big government, the federal government, works. This is what the new black media has done to y'all. 
tell you the whole story. So once again, research over research. Civics 101. Understand your local government. Become the change that you know that your leaders, so-called leaders, will not do or become. Start your own organization. Start your own super PAC. Groom the politicians that you want to be put in position of power or with those that's already in power to push your agendas. It may sound simple. It maybe is. You got to try it. I'm not going to say that's going to happen overnight, but that's what you got to do. That's what you have to do. If you want those reparations, you have to get people involved that believe and say and do the things that you believe. Or you take that position of power and push it your damn self. But get the right people around you to make it possible. That's the only way we can get our reparations. There is hope. I won't say hope. It can come true. But you got to do the things that I'm telling you. Period. And once again, I'm not swaying you to become a Democrat. And I'm not swaying you to be a Republican. What I'm saying is you have the power. When you get the right group around you. When you get the right platform. When you get the right motivation. Right place, right time. Anytime is the right place. Anytime is the right time. And you jump and you get it done. Well, not get it done, get it started. Then you make stuff happen. Then stuff starts to happen. Trust me. I think Dr. King did it. He just didn't start with protests. He got them organized, got the organizations created and started. Be that change. Don't just protest in the streets. And I mainly talk to the activists. Don't protest in the streets. Protest has proven that it does not work. The real movers and shakers and the real power to make things happen is when you are in a position of power. Run at the Run. You have no choice now but to run. And to my people, become the change that you know that the leaders will not become or do. And that would do it for me, ladies and gentlemen. Thank y'all for tuning in once again. I'd like to thank everybody for subscribing, who has subscribed, for downloading this show and my, my past episodes. Thank you so very, very much. Please subscribe, 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 subscribe. It will mean a whole lot to me. Share this content. But once again, thank y'all very much for listening, and there will be more to come. This has been the Alamonte Report. I have been your host, Alamonte Morris. I love y'all, and when I say that, I mean it. I love y'all. Y'all stay safe out there. Bye.